Hey, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff here from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 447. Now, most of us who have studied martial arts for years with the goal of being able to better defend ourselves have all found the same thing, that most of these moves are complicated, they take a long time to master, and when it really comes down to it, they aren't all that practical when you go to use them in a real fight. Now, when the concept of mixed martial arts came along, it was considered to be the next evolution of self-defense because it took a a best-of approach by combining techniques from different martial systems and putting them into a more holistic fighting strategy. In fact, one government agency formally trained their field operatives using mixed martial arts techniques. However, they had a problem. Their agents were consistently being attacked and beaten in their assignments by criminals whose only training was what they learned on the street. Now, this agency called on one man to come in and analyze what they were doing wrong and asked him how to fix it. And the street fighting matrix that he developed as a result not only saved agents' lives, but it'll likely change the way that you think about what it really takes to defend yourself in a real street attack. On this week's show, you're going to discover how to use this new matrix for your own self-protection training. And don't worry about taking notes. We did it all for you. All you have to do is just grab our handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet in the Loot Locker section of our site, as well as all of our other episode cheat sheets that are there, and a whole lot more, all absolutely free, just by going to warriorlife.com slash loot. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, so having trained in multiple martial arts systems ever since I was young, I can tell you from experience what a lot of us former traditionalists have found out, and a lot have found out the hard way, that not all systems are created equal, and not all techniques will work very well when applied to a real-life attack. In fact, even the most modern combative systems oftentimes use techniques that are just too complicated to master and are too complicated to use in a real street fight. But what if there was a way to harness just a handful of key moves, moves that are simple enough for anyone to be able to master quickly and have been proven time and time again to work against even a much larger, stronger attacker? Now, if you're someone who wants to be able to defend yourself against any threat scenario where the only weapons that you have are your hands, your feet, or your other body weapons, but you don't have a lot of time to train, then this week's show could be just what you've been looking for. Hey there, Warrior Jeff Anderson here, Executive Director of WarLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. And with me today to talk about a unique street fighting matrix and how to use this unique method to feel more confident in your unarmed self-defense skills is a longtime friend of mine and lifelong fight trainer, Matt Newmerch. Matt, welcome back to the program, brother. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Jeff. Yep, glad you uh, like make big yeah. Glad you could make it back on the show. Um, listen, guys, if you have missed any of our previous shows with Matt, he is he's not what you consider like a giant dude. I mean, he's just like 5'8", and no offense, man, but like 5'8", and 165 is pretty, you know, it's like that's a challenge for some people, especially for somebody like, like Matt, who's a family man and believes in being self-protected. And Matt realized early on that he needed skills to be able to compensate for his smaller frame. And he discovered a passion for martial arts training. Now, his training became more of a way of life for Matt. And he went on to become one of only a handful of fully certified instructors in Bruce Lee's art of Jeet Kune Do, which is currently being used by over 100 state and federal law enforcement agencies. Now, following the same principles as Bruce Lee, Matt hasn't limited his training to JKD 
or his instruction. And he's gone on to expand his self-defense arsenal to include Krav Maga, ground fighting techniques, weapon disarm tactics, and basically any street-based combat system that would allow him to not only protect himself and his family, but also train others in how to instantly stop a violent attack by overwhelming your enemy with powerful fight-ending strikes that don't rely on size and strength to be able to put them into use. In fact, it was a chance encounter with a government agency that opened Matt's eyes to just how challenged most people are with being able to defend themselves. And that encounter led to Matt's development of a unique attack response matrix that served as an amazing tool, not only for the agencies and first responders that Matt's worked with, but also for his civilian students who were looking for a straightforward fighting system that was effective, but didn't require years or even months of training to be able to be prepared for a real attack. Now, for more information about Matt and his training, make sure that you visit him online at rapidstreetfighting.com. So Matt, I want to I want to dig a little bit more into the backstory here of working with this agency. So what was the problem that they were facing that prompted them to contact you? And also like how did you see this crossover into what you were seeing as challenges that the civilians in your schools were seeing as well? Yeah, you know, it was a really unique kind of situation where I had this gentleman, uh, he showed up to one of my seminars, you know, and it was a day long seminar. And he took the seminar, um, had some, you know, had some good skills and everything like that. And then literally about a week later ends up contacting me and just simply saying, hey, listen, you know what? I'm actually the second head in command of this government agency. And we're like in trouble because it's been, you know, kind of said by our agents, especially our undercover agents, that they're running into problems because a lot of times when they go into under, you know, undercover work, they can't carry any kind of weapons on them. So they're getting into situations here where they're very dangerous, very, very violent. They don't have anything to defend themselves. They're used to, you know, having a, you know, firearm on their side to be able to pull and, uh, you know, decrease the situation of anything more violent happening. Uh, but they don't have that when you're obviously working undercover. And so that is what kind of, you know, started the snowball effect of us talking and then led into literally uh, them inviting me into an interview, which was, you know, I'll just say this, you, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I've been to other kind of government uh, interviews before. This was one out of the movies where, you know, you go to this high rise in Chicago, they go ahead, swipe past all these key card kind of doors and everything like that, sit you down this long table with a bunch of other, uh, you know, agents there, and they just start rambling a whole bunch of questions to me. And pretty much what they said was exactly what I said before. Their agents were getting in trouble. They didn't have the tools how to defend themselves in real life kind of altercations. And so what that led to is, is them saying, hey, listen, you know what? We would like to contract you out of just revamping our whole defensive uh, tactics program. And so they literally pulled two stacks of paper out. One was a 200-page manual. One was a 200-page PowerPoint stack. And they said, this is what... We're currently teaching our guys, and it's garbage. And it is mainly MMA-based, and nothing, obviously, that's MMA, because MMA has brought real-life self-defense you know, up several, several notches over the last 20 years. But as far as what, you know, what they needed when it brings into context of weapons defense and mass attack defense and things like that, they were just very, very underprepared. And so they just said, hey, listen, what do you need from us in order to develop a kind of program to really help us through this kind of scenario. So the agency already had a training program that 
they obviously it wasn't working for them. And I'm and I'm right. sure you got a lot of students in your schools also who have tried other fighting systems. Right. And they come there and they're and now they're learning, you know, your systems as well. But when it when it came to you coming up with a solution for the agency, what did you discover that was different than what they were already doing, as well as like how this solution carried over into your civilian training? Excellent question there. Uh, you know, I mean, first what I did was I just asked the guys, I said, listen, you know, I got in front of a whiteboard and I said, I want you guys just to go ahead and just brainstorm all the situations that you guys hear about from your agents or even all the situations that you can even th think about in your mind, because all the guys who were sitting at that meeting right there, they were all, you know, very, very experienced, you know, agents had spent, geez, minimum 15 years, probably 20 years plus within the agency. And I said, give me the situations and scenarios that you see are not only the most dangerous, but also that, you know, you see are the most kind of repeat offenders as far as situations go. And we just start writing down all these kinds of, you know, situations. And as I started to do that, you know, I started to realize, hey, listen, what I've been teaching for years is really coming true. You know, I always go ahead and I try to separate self-defense into five areas here you know and the first area is what we call kickboxing range that's a range where you have you know obviously a little bit of distance between you and the opponents you're going to use kicks you're going to use punches but then we have the second range which is close quarters which is much closer those are situations we're going to use obviously close quarter moves not saying that kicks and punches don't work but you're moving out of a range that can really really help um, the third area is ground fighting, mostly done horizontally. Weapons is the fourth area. And we're talking about weapons, Jeff. We're talking about all three categories of weapons. We're talking about, you know, edged weapons, impact weapons, also projectile weapons as well. And then last but not least, the fifth area is what we call mass attack. And so that was the first thing that kind of helped me separate all these different scenarios into something that would be a little bit more digestible because what these guys told me was was that hey listen our agents they don't have years upon years to learn self-defense they literally have you know months at most and usually about weeks if not even days and so that really put a challenge out to me as far as that stuff goes and so when i compare their list compared to what civilians told me over the years about what kind of situations they've gotten into and what they've had problems with you know what a lot of those situations really mirrored themselves and so that kind of helped me use not only what I have, but also show them that once again, if we separate things into these five areas, we can create a very, very simplistic game plan of how to deal with each one of those kinds of scenarios. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I've got these captured here based sure. upon like how these all group together. So with these, these five different areas of self-defense, Basically, when they were describing them to you, they broke down into, um, I feel like I may have missed one, but kickboxing range, right. close quarters, close quarters range, close quarters combat, weapons attacks, and mass attacks. And I'm assuming like, um, I may have missed it in there, but like ground fighting, was that was that one of them or yeah. is there not one I'm missing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ground fighting would round that list out to five. And those are the five areas of self-defense that, you know, if you're going to say, hey, listen, I want to learn self-defense you can't neglect one or two areas and say that you're a complete kind of a fighter. You know, you need to make sure that you're a well-rounded fighter. I know well-rounded fighter and hybrid arts, they kind of almost, you know, fire over people's head these days because we've heard so much of hybrid fighting because of the UFC and MMA fights and things like that. Um, but so few arts, so few programs really, really, and, you know, encapsulate those five areas. That's why it's so important just to kind of put those on the board and say, you know what, these are the five areas you must know. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about them. Yeah, and it makes sense that there would be a challenge there, especially for anybody that's coming in and trying to develop a 
program for an agency that is based upon mixed martial arts types of things because when you look at mixed martial arts, like weapons attacks and mass attacks, unless you're in like, uh, what is it, WWF, like wrestling or whatever, where all of a sudden now, like, The Undertaker comes out of nowhere. But, I mean, it's like they're not practical. I mean, obviously those aren't threats that somebody would experience in a mixed martial arts tournament or any other sports sports combatives types of types of a thing there. So I can see where there would have been a disconnect there. But I also think that I think that a lot of students and maybe agencies that are looking for something are looking at, you know, the terminology of mixed martial arts, meaning, you know, taking things that from different martial arts and putting them all together because the dynamics are different, which makes sense. And even in like a sports fight, right? Like, is it, it's going to start off standing up and then might go down to the ground. So if you don't know your ground skills, that's why the Gracies are just mopping everybody up on the, on the mats there. But you do have to have a little bit of all of this stuff. And it would make sense from, um, from a, a practical standpoint, even for civilians also like weapons attacks, mass attacks for criminals that are, are operating in, you know, with um you know as part of gangs or having an accomplice there right so i can see where all of those you know those five areas make a lot of sense here um so what you're saying is basically you found that these everything that they could possibly come up with came down to they basically fall into these different these different areas here and you started to map these out and then you were talking about like the street fighting matrix um so now that you've got like all of the threats there, what was the next what was the next step in designing a program for them? Well, the next step was, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the matrix because that was something that kind of that, that I've been working with beforehand uh, with my civilian students, but it really hit home talking to these guys um, because you have to understand that there's these five areas, but you could also have mixtures of the areas, meaning that you could have a knife attack down the ground. Okay, you know, you could have a mass attack situation. Well, a lot of times when people think about mass attack, they're just thinking about two guys in front of you throwing fists. Well, what happens if one guy has, you know, has a club and the other guy's empty handed? Well, who do we go after first? How do we, you know, how do we defend against one person while another person may be wielding a weapon? And so the matrix kind of, you know, almost illustration that I want people to have is, is that mixture between multiple areas of fighting. So what happens when we have, like I said, a mixture of weapons and ground fighting or mass attack with weapons? Or what even happens when you have somebody trying to take you down to the ground, but you want to stay standing up for whatever the situation is? And so that's when you have those mixings when you must have a very, very specific kind of a scenario or I should say tactics of how to deal with each one of those situations. So the first step is breaking down those five areas. The second step is, is then seeing when those areas collide what is our answer? What is our tactic? Okay. So, um, you know, so what that led me to do is was creating this kind of this, this matrix here where you're able to mix the areas. But once even you start mixing the areas here, Jeff, you're seeing that there's some commonalities between, you know, different kinds of scenarios. So, you know, when I throw this point out to people, people for at, at, at first get overwhelmed. When we wrote down all the different kinds of scenarios with these guys, we found out that at total, there are 42 situations, violent situations. That's it. There's 42 of them. That's it. And I know a lot of people either, they're either overwhelmed or underwhelmed by that number. They either say, hey, you know what? There has to be more than 42, okay? Or they say, 42, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to remember 42 you know, kind of, you know, kinds of scenarios and tactics you know, and things like that? And I think what the matrix program forced me to do was, was to simplify everything. 
Because just like I said before, whether you're talking about these agents or whether you're talking about civilians, few people have 10 years to dedicate to martial arts training. Most people want a very, very surefire, simplistic way to not only digest this information, but also train this information as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, it, and it, you're right. I mean, it, a lot of the techniques that you learn can be applied to a lot of different types of threat scenarios that are out there. Um, but can you give us maybe, for the people who are listening, because it does seem a little bit overwhelming, right? Like to think about these, like a matrix of like 42 different possible combinations that you could do or whatever. So um, I, I need to talk to a little bit about like how there might be a couple different dynamics that happen within a fight, but is there any way that you can give maybe an illustrative example so that um, I, think, I think what's unique about this is it's almost like applying math and science Sure. My two worst subjects, you know, thank God for gym. So I could actually do something, you know, pass, uh, pass high school. But like um, it's all it almost gives like a a framework for preparation because there are obviously different techniques that are out there for different things. Right. And there and it becomes this, uh, I think, one of the, the downfalls of a lot of maybe even more traditional systems or the way that people have have been taught in the past or people teach in the past is when this person does this, you do this. When they throw this type of a punch, you block this way. And that becomes very overwhelming to think about like, oh, I have to think about if they do this, especially now that we we really understand that in a real attack, right? like you're not going to be able to like respond quickly enough to right. any sort of a strike like that. Like it's very dynamic. It's very fast paced. Right. But I think it's really unique to use this kind of like a framework to prepare how you train, what you train, to to throw out what doesn't work, you know, like empty the glass, as Bruce Lee would say, and sure. and fill it back up with something that does work. So is there a way that you can maybe help people better understand this, this framework, this matrix Absolutely. in a situation in like scenario? maybe one of the 42 that you learned or whatever, and then also, like, how do you use this type of a, of a situation to apply to that? Excellent question, you know what? And, um, you know, the best way I can kind of break this down is is by drawing by two huge influential arts, and I know you talked about them within my bio, but, you know, I really do give so much credit of my training to not only Bruce Lee's Kundo, but also Krav Maga as well. Um, and, when I was creating this program, you know, and once again, these are things that I've always, you know, had taught before running into this agency, but I wasn't able to really intellectualize and organize them in such a way that the that the agency contracted me out to do. And so what JKD really taught me to do is, is first of all, is, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Bruce Lee is, is JKD is simply to simplify, you know, I mean, that is the end goal is to simplify everything. It's not to make things more grandiose, to more make things more complicated. It's really to simplify things. So that was my first kind of, kind of, um, you know, kind of tenant that I want to hold to. The second thing, you know, that I you know, really gained from Krav Maga is, and, and, and this is a great quote that I love from Krav Maga is, and you know, it simply says that we want the least amount of answers to the most amount of questions. You know, and so the best example I can give you is is let's say let's talk about knife defense. Let's talk about knife defense in three different kinds of scenarios. Let's talk about knife defense if you have someone in front of you wielding a knife and it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. 
Second kind of situation is, let's talk about a, a you know, situation where all of a sudden we find ourselves down on the ground and the person pulls a knife on us. Third kind of situation is, let's talk about a mass attack situation. Mass attack situation where you have one or even both of the assailants now have a knife. The point that I'm trying to make is, is that you want to make sure that you have tactics that are the almost the exact same in all three kinds of scenarios. You don't want a different kind of tactics for knife defense in a one-on-one compared to a ground situation compared to a mass attack situation. And so when I was writing out all those scenarios from all those agents, I said, okay, listen, we have to categorize these. If we go ahead and we try to write out a tactic for every single kind of situation, we're going to be here all day and you guys are going to be training for years. And so what we do is we start finding some commonalities between, you know, you know, between all these situations. So, for instance, and this is, this is actually a situation that happened. They said one of our guys got caught down the ground and someone pulled a knife on him. You know, um, there's a situation, you know, happened where someone was trying to do a deal and they had two people in front of them and all of a sudden one pulls out a knife and the other one, you know, is empty handed, but they're both attacking me. What do we do in those kind of situations? My point is, is that once again, what are tactics, what's a knife tactic that we have that can duplicate itself and that can save us in each one of those situations? So I hope that gives you a little bit of a scenario right there where, once again, you can talk about a knife situation, but a knife situation can happen in different formats as well. You must have a similar or the exact same tactic in each one of those scenarios that can take care of each one of those scenarios. Either that... If you don't do that, then you're just multiplying the amount of information you must learn and train, and it just becomes too too complicated. Then, so I want I want to give the uh, the viewers and the the listeners here something that they can take away and, and, and start to put to use kind of right away for themselves in, in using this sort of a thing. So, can you give us maybe like a, a sample, like some like a training exercise or a drill that someone can do that. Um, whether they're maybe even training solo at home where yep. they can apply this concept to being better prepared. Yeah. Um, the two things that I, you know, because I get students uh, who I teach in person who all of a sudden they go off on a vacation for three or four weeks or, you know, they move and now they can't find, you know, adequate training around them. The two things that I really say is, is it boils down to shadow boxing and also what we call Carenza. Uh, and let me, I'll explain those really, really quick. Shadow boxing, I think we all know what shadow boxing is. You know, I don't care if you talk about a boxer, kickboxer, uh, and, you know, every kind of a fighter is going to do some kind of shadow fighting or shadow boxing. But what I want people to do is that I want people to limit the amount of tools they use. And so what I always make sure that people do is, is I want them to have no more than a dozen, but between a half dozen, a dozen moves that they're going to practice over and over and over again. So whether it be an eye jab or a headbutt or something like that, you want to make sure that you are shadow boxing using those moves over and over again. And once again, having that muscle memory is going to go a long, long way. What piggybacks off of that when you're shadow boxing is make sure that we do combo moves. And all I'm talking about right there is, is that we're comboing several moves together and we're doing them purposefully. Meaning that, um, you know, if you're going to go ahead and let's say do a kick to a strike to a close quarter move, that is a sequence that we're doing over and over and over again. So the first thing is shadow boxing. We're shadow boxing with purpose. We're just not getting in front of a bag and throwing punches and moving around without any kind of purpose. So it's purpose-driven kind of shadow boxing. The second thing is what we call Carenza. Um, you know, I'm big into Filipino martial arts. Uh, I hold certifications in, uh, uh, in Filipino martial arts as well. And 
one of the things I love about Filipino martial arts is they do shadow boxing, but they use weapons. Because you take a look at the Filipino culture, and you know, so much of the Filipino culture has to do with weapons and weapons self-defense. <laughs> and so what they do is they do Carenza, which is shadow boxing, but it's shadow boxing with weapons. So many people don't realize, you know, when you pick up a weapon, you start moving with it, you're going to move a little bit different. And I'll talk about the differences here. They move in ways that will benefit them and they'll move in ways that, that will not benefit them. What I mean by that is, is that most people don't know when you pick up a weapon, you're going to move differently. And so I want you to shadow box with that weapon. I want you to do certain kinds of strikes and counters that you would do. And simply moving with that weapon, whether it be a stick or a butter knife you pull out of the silverware drawer, whatever it is, you're simply moving around and you're practicing your movement with different kinds of striking. Why is that so important? Well, it's so important because people are not used to moving and striking with a weapon at the exact same time. So once again, developing that, not only that muscle memory, but also that coordination is gonna go a long, long way. The second thing that I'll say about Carenza here is, is that you must have, once again, those strikes that you can go to, that you can fall back on, that you're gonna be used to. Because when I first put, let's say, a weapon into a student's hand, I say, listen, move around or do this strike or whatever, they're gonna be uncoordinated. Carenza is a great way where we can, once again, we can move around, we can shadow box with that weapon, which is gonna get them used to moving around that weapon. So it kind of, be it kind of benefits them in both sides right there. Yeah, I think, I think even just the process that you went through, even with the agency, I think that's a great exercise for, for people to do as well, because you're tr you're, the threats that you see yourself in should drive your training. I mean, we all know that there have been more than enough time. For those people that have been in, especially in traditional martial arts for a very long time, you know that when you go to training, you might be doing something in there that you your brain is thinking, when would I ever even use this double monkey ninja assassin kick <laughs> right. thing right, right, right. right like that stuff's there but 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 there's also like a, a dedication to an art like so if you've chosen a traditional martial art then it becomes something that like that's part of you're learning that art there's a different purpose for it so there is a purpose for it and it may have even had and there may even be a like a legitimate purpose for it in learning it in that system but right. i think for people and we talk a lot about like how your brain processes information because there's learning and exercise and then there's being able to really like like program it into your brain so that it just comes like second nature whenever there's any you know an actual attack attack there so right. um so i think it's a great i think it's a great exercise for people just to go through and sort of create their own you know street fighting matrix so think about what are the different threats that you're concerned about what are the different things that you can see Maybe where you are, you might live in an area or work in an area or travel in an area where you see that there are gangs around there. There are lots of people that are hanging around that, that, are, that maybe look like a threat to you. Maybe it is uh, you're going to places where there might be people that are psychologically un unbalanced. It might even be work that you do. So I think it's a great practice to start thinking about like what are the different things, go through and just figure it all out. Like what are you concerned about? And mapping those out, and then if you are doing any kind of training, what techniques do you feel the strongest in? And then start to look at your own little grid here about where would those techniques start to, where would they apply to all the different threats that you created there? I think it's a great exercise just in what you did. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that all of these exercises are, I mean, all these, all this training maybe 
is going to apply to them. Like maybe, maybe they're not going to be as effective. And I know you've already done all the groundwork on this. So I think it's a great exercise for people to do themselves because I think that will help drive the training. Do you also have like the street fighting matrix that you put together for all of this stuff and for your for your classmates and everything? Is this available in any of your programs or anything or like your matrix that you developed? Is there a way that people could use that also? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I'll go ahead and I'll send you information so you can get that out to your listeners as well. But, you know, so many people wanted that information. And so what I did was I just simply organized it for civilian use as well. And so, you know, literally what's what you know, what's great about the program is, is that you can go ahead and as you pull up the program, you can pull out what happens if you find a situation in a mass attack situation. Someone's holding a gun and someone's holding a club. What do we do? Who do we go after first? What kind of strategies do we use against each person? You know, but literally that kind of scenario we have all mapped out for people. So what's great is just like you said, we did all the legwork for you guys. And I think what, you know, just also piggyback on what you said, you know, you know, previously, there was a study done not that long ago, and it had all these students in school study a particular uh, uh, chapter for a, I think it was, I think it was actually they used it for a history, if I, if my memory serves me right. And they had all the students then, before taking a test, write down what their own test would be. And I want to say like 70% of the questions were actually mirrored by the students, you know. And so what you just said was exactly right. If people would just take the time to, you know, sit down and say, hey, listen, what are the, you know, what are the scariest situations I can think of? What are the situations and the environments that I'm in on a regular basis that could happen? And then how could I better prepare myself for those? Man, they're just going to be so far ahead of the game. But people, unfortunately, they get scared and they just kind of push it out of their mind. They're like, yes, I don't want to think about that. You know, so many of the things that I've, you know, because I've been such a huge fan of yours for so long, it's all about preparation, you know. And it's a simple kind of, you know, preparation step that people can take is, is simply thinking about what could happen to me and how could I defend myself in those kinds of situations. And then, like I said, with the whole Matrix program that I developed, we gave all the answers to people, you know, um, you know, so you simply plug and play as far as saying, hey, listen, these are scenarios that can most, you know, most possibly happen in my scenarios. Here's the strategies that I could use to get out of these kinds of scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And you've always taken that practical approach to it, too. I know you've done different training in the past and you've had um, some videos out there and some some DVDs sure. on like these are the 10 most, po- you know, these are the, pretty much the 10 attacks because, I mean, most people don't know how to fight or if they're like super experienced or they've been in prison or something like that it's still usually you get used to just there's a few key ways like most people are going to come with a haymaker punch especially if they're inebriated or if they're a bigger person they've never really had to develop anything different here comes the freight train and so that sort of like a haymaker punch is one that's a very common attack that somebody's going to face and so you know, you've, you've always really, and I remember, I was just thinking about this, like, I remember, like, a, a de- over a decade ago, I remember when we first met up, I was remember talking about the street, about this matrix and the development of it and everything, and it's, it's cool to see that it st- stood the test of time, and then also that it's been refined along the way as well, so. Well, you know, yeah. well, well, here's the two things, I'll just tell you two very, very quick stories. The, you know, the first thing is, is that. Um, you know, used to live in Chicago, moved out here to Phoenix, opened a new place out here in Phoenix. And I'm not kidding you, I had a, uh, a couple, a married couple come on in, and both parents came on in, mother and father, 
and they want their kids to get into training. And we do have kids' classes as well. And so I'm talking to the father, and I just said, hey, you know, what do you do for a job or whatever? He goes, well, I work for the government. I'm in law enforcement and everything like that. Well, it gets to that he works for the agency that I developed the program for, okay? Now, you have to understand, this is, this is going on, Jeff, over 10 years later, okay? So I go, I can't believe that. You won't believe this story. I actually had your agency contact me this long ago or whatever. Long story short is he comes in the next class with my with a printout of my manual saying this is the manual we still use 10 over 10 years later you know and so that was a huge pat on my back that I didn't you know cuz you know cuz a lot of agencies they'll bring in somebody then they'll bring in somebody a couple years later they'll bring in a new person a couple years later just the fact that they were using this over 10 years later was a huge huge thing as far as that stuff goes you know so that's a huge thing but I just at least want to get out that story real quick here <laughs> yeah yeah quick pat <clears throat> quick pat on the back there sure. yeah it's um you know I think that I think that this can really help people also in the way of when you start looking at those threats, it's gonna, and you start piecing together what you already know. Like I always tell people, whether it's, we're talking about survival training, firearms training, when, no matter what it is, it's very easy to get discouraged by being at master level, all the things that you need to know, all the things that you need to prepare for. But where I tell people is, in order for you to be confident, first of all, you have to understand where you're starting. Like, start with where you're at. You don't need to go out and spend a ton of money or go you know, sign up for this massive course or anything like that. Like, start with where you're at and optimize what you already currently have. So even if nobody has ever taken any training whatsoever in self-defense and all they know is just, this is how I punch the bag when somebody tells me to punch a bag, like, put that into this sort of thing. Map out all of your threats, the things that you do feel like you know, put those into those grids where you think that they would apply here. And then you're going to start to see where the gaps are, like wh what grids are not actually filled in. Right. And, um, and, and you've already given like the five different areas there. So I think that's a great place for people to start is where which of those areas do you, do people really find themselves challenged in and then now you know what to train in you know where you already are you know yep. your starting point and that's great and you know where they apply and you can start to really frame that in your mind but then also where those gaps are now you know how to fill where to fill those in it's the how to fill those in i think is where people might get a little bit caught up but that's where i think like your street fighting matrix will help out also because they can pretty much just almost i mean i'm sure they're they're going to find where these where they coincide like where their thoughts their threats coincide with the things that you've come up with and then here's the gap there's the answer and i think that's a, a great tool for people um and then also you have the you know videos and things like that that will help them to understand the how to fill in that grid also so yeah i'm really looking forward um i i want i really want to hear from people in um going through and 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 trying this program and and figuring out where it is and i'll go ahead and put Put some information out also where they can find this. Um, but yeah, I think this is this is an awesome exercise. I think for people to really um, to really map out where they need to go from here. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, I mean, and another thing we did was, you know, when we when we when we created the program, we wanted to make sure that it was very visual as well. And so we went out to we took the film crowd, you know, we took the film crew out to bars and alleyways and, you know, different kinds of scenarios and said, you know, you know, and, and, and would show them here's how the scenario could go down and here's how it would look like using these strategies. And so I think it would give people a lot of visual. You know, it's just not me standing in front of a, you know, white background or, in, you know, in, you know, in front of a board. It's a very very user friendly program where we have all the videos but then we have a full manual that goes with it as well so people can literally go down the line read up on stuff check things off because i think what you said was so so key start with where you're at you know and my guess is with with everybody listening to the program right now you're gonna have some people who are very very uh, you know, cool and calm experts. You're going to have a lot of people who are just starting out from ground zero. And you're going to have a lot of people right in the middle as well. And so I think what I love about the matrix here is, is that you can literally very quickly see where you're at and what more you need to learn to, you know, fill in the gaps of what, you know, really what you need skill wise. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. So listen, you've got, you've got your homework now. Um, I think this is a great exercise for you to go through. I think that it's, um, I think too many people don't stop and evaluate themselves. It's one of the, the things that we build into the, the S3 Warrior machine is that you have skills, but then you, you constantly have to test your skills. And I think too many people just get a little bit, it's too easy to just check the box and feel confident in what you're doing. And I can tell you in the military, we were training all the time. Like we were out there testing what we already thought that we knew to be able to find where those gaps are. And I think this is a great exercise for anybody, whether you are a weapons person or whether you are a combatives person, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to need to use use your, your hands and your, your body weapons at, at, in, in all of those, those different things. So I think this is a great exercise. So go ahead. You have your marching orders. Uh, if you want more information about how to employ this and, and maybe some of the the techniques that you can use that really apply to these, go ahead and check out Matt's website over at rapidstreetfighting.com and that'll get you into his his ecosystem there and you'll be able to uh, to get a lot of that training, check out some of those videos and stuff there too. So uh, Matt, really appreciate you taking some time with us today and um, for everybody else, until our next show, this is Jeff Anderson saying, live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.